Hi everyone and welcome to episode 17 of the Judo Talk podcast. Judo Talk, Talk, 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 Judo Talk, Talk. So welcome everyone. Um, I guess to start off with, I want to say a big thanks to everybody who's messaged me uh, from last week's podcast. I wasn't sure... Well, I wasn't sure how it was going to work, whether it, whether it would work or not. Um, and I don't think it's something that I want to do every week, but there was definitely quite a few people that reached out and said actually they found it quite valuable just talking about some ideas and answering some questions. So yeah, so that, that was good. Um, I actually managed to watch the World Team event, which was really good. I didn't actually watch much judo uh, across the board, so I was just working the whole time. Um, but I did manage on Sunday to sit down and watch quite a lot of the teams, which was really good. But sort of scary how good those teams are. You think like quite a few of them didn't have their number one team. <laughs> so so to think how good Japan were, France were. Um, you could say France was surprising to get through, beating Georgia with the fight off with Trikisvili. Um, but still, you know, there's going to be some good teams in that Olympic event. And I think... I think it's gonna be great. It's just a shame we got we can't field a, a British team. Um, yeah, it's just bad. Um, but anyway, hopefully uh, the Olympic qualification stuff that will start being released. I'm waiting to see the the final list which comes out today um, on the IJF website. Um, that'd be good. Although you will see the list, and I was speaking to Luke about this actually, and I didn't realise that people have to accept their position. So some people still might move around, um, but I'm looking forward to seeing the Olympic selection. It looks like um, there's a few uh, former British fighters going to be in the games as well. It looks like Ben and Megan Fletcher have both qualified, which is amazing for Ireland. And um, um, Priscilla? Witty Alcaraz. I'm really sorry if I've yeah if I've said your name wrong. But it looks like she's qualified for Mexico, which is great. Um, three fighters that used to fight for Great Britain going to the games. Uh, but yeah, so this episode, I I do like to try and mix it up. And last week I sort of finished off with how would you manage with a hundred students? How would you manage with two hundred students? You know. Judo's taken an absolute battering um, from COVID, and I know there's so many judo clubs wanting to open up, wanting to get back to back to full strength. And you know, I want everybody to get back stronger. I want judo clubs to be bigger than they ever were before. And yeah, so this episode, I'm talking to um, Gerard Turvey, who he operates a company called Nest Management and he's going to go into that a bit more but whether you're a small judo club a big judo club whether you're a judoka I think this is a really good podcast for you just to sort of listen to and think about you know even if you are a judoka and you're on the mat with 10 other people would you would you want to have an extra 10 people that you could train with would you like another 20 people that you could train with we're going to talk about what Nest is as a company, but the ideas behind it and sort of tackling some of the stigmas behind um, growing your judo club. Uh, so I hope you find it useful. I'll, I'll catch up with you guys at the end, but just stick with it. I think it's a good conversation. I think there's a, there's a, there is obviously a special offer in there for you guys at the end as well. Um, but yeah, have a listen. Let me know what you think, and I hope you find it valuable. But I'll, I'll speak to you guys at the end. Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode of Judo Talk. And today I'd like to welcome Gerard to the po- podcast. Say hello, Gerard. Hi, everyone. It's a privilege to be here. Uh, glad to have the opportunity to talk to you all. Well, the reason for this podcast is slightly different to some of my others as well. The whole judo and martial arts community have taken a real hit over the last year and we've all struggled. But I feel like we've hit a point where we can rebuild. And my hope is that every judo club comes back stronger than before. And this is why I've invited you, Gerard, to the to the podcast. And I believe you and your team could be a really, really good help 
to judo members, to judo clubs. And uh, yeah, I guess to get started, it'd just be great to hear a little bit of background about you and, and Nest, I guess. Okay, well, Nest has been around now for over 20 years. And I, I have to say, we haven't been through a situation as dramatic and difficult as we have over the last, the last year. But what always surprises me is how resilient martial arts is. And I'll perhaps talk about that uh, a, a little bit later. But how did we get into this? Um, well, in truth, martial arts was my hobby. And uh, I trained and taught um, in karate, but I came to it a bit late in life. I was about 40, I think, when I came to uh, martial arts, following being sent uh, to Japan with the company I worked for. And so um, I got an interest for it there. I wasn't there very long, but everybody trained in martial arts. And so that was uh, really part of what excited a uh, passion uh, for martial arts. But also in my day job, <clears throat> I created, um, I was in charge of IT at a large company. And um, we built direct debit systems, administration systems, and so on. So there became a time in life where it was time to go and do something really interesting and something which you had a passion about. And really, Nest was born at that time. And uh, so 20 years ago, that's what we did. Um, and today, uh, we have clients all over the country and in uh, a couple of other places in the world. Ireland and Australia, to be specific. Um, so that's how we got into it. But martial arts is an absolute passion. And you guys being successful is also a passion for all of us here at Nest. Yeah, so there's going to be uh, a few people with some knowledge around Nest. There's going to be some people with absolutely no knowledge around Nest. So what do you guys actually do for, for martial arts schools and judo clubs? And yeah, let's start from there. There are many things that, that we do. We deal with um, uh, schools, martial arts schools or academies, as some people call them, um, all over the country. Um, and the, the largest are, are really um, quite substantial with thousands of students. And the smallest are those who've just started or do this as uh, part of a hobby where they may have 50 students or so, whereas the large ones tend to be uh, franchise organizations, associations, and so, uh, and so on. Some of the single academies that we work with will have a thousand students or more. But as I say, some people are either just starting or their ambitions are such to have uh, a part of a major hobby uh, for them, which is a passion. So what we do for them is it is enable schools to spend more time with their students. So we take out the administration, we take out all the database management and many of the tasks such as uh, booking appointments and uh, online uh, booking for students and a whole range of things. And we could talk about the tools, but I actually said to my operations manager, you know, just give me a list of all the stuff we do. I went, oh my God, I've got it in front of me. And I went, oh my God, I can't read that out for all the guys. <laughs> but, but in essence, we provide the computer systems, we provide the administration systems, we provide the money collection services, which is the basis of much of what we do. Um, and really, it's almost like a one-stop shop for martial arts business. So that we, we often say, if, we, if you ask us a question, we'll either know the answer or we'll know a guy who does. And um, so we become the first port of call for issues in running the business. What we can't help you with is the content of your product. And we don't want to do that because it would be very wrong for us to interfere as we deal with all kinds of martial arts you know, whether it is judo, karate, taekwondo, uh, uh, whether it's any of the others like Pramagar, JKD, uh, Kung Fu and so on. Um, so it is not for us to be involved in that aspect of it, 
but all the administrative tasks, the money collection, the management of a business, the management of staff is, is right up our street, if I could put it that way. So I'm going to say yeah. like that, Vince, rather than read out this long list of things that we do. Yeah, I know. It's really difficult, isn't it? I mean, there, there are so many products and services that you guys provide. And we've been with you now for, I don't know, maybe I think it might be two, two maybe three years. And for, for me, from a judo point of view, there, there's a few things where I think you guys have done extremely well. And you... It's not just the, the computing side of, you know, like silly stuff like enabling people to take free trials and book onto classes and stuff. That's that's a good part of the service, but it's also the ability to free up time and so you can actually work on your club. So um, working on your session plans, working on all these things. Actually, it's enabled us to have more time around that rather than worrying about um, is my register up to date? Is this up to date? Because that all gets done automatically, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. So, so that's a big help. But I guess let's uh, let's move away a little bit from there. I mean, we've had a super tough year. And what I would like to know about a little bit is how have you, because you see such a scope of clubs and uh, martial arts schools, and you, you're talking about you've dealt with thousands upon thousands of students. With COVID, how did that affect you? How did it affect martial arts schools? And how did it progress through uh, through the situation, I guess. Well, I, I mean, COVID, what's, what surprised us with the pandemic, and it surprised everybody, but it, with us and students, it was the speed that they reacted to cancel, if you like, their direct debits, suspend their direct debits because of the massive worry they had about their finances. And it was astonishing. So both we and our clients had to act very, very quickly to try and protect as much business as we possibly could. Um, and therefore, the online tools we created and the advice and guidance we were giving about both online and claiming of grants and trying to make sure you had the wherewithal to continue the business was really important for us. The impact it had, however, was that judged through the prism of our own clients, clients lost around 40% of their business. Some a little more, some a little less. But broadly, 60% was retained through the efforts of clients, and I hope our tools contributed significantly to helping that. Um, so that 60% was really important, but it meant to us that we could not furlough large proportions of our staff and have the financial assistance the government giving. We did furlough 12 out of 30, 31 people. Um, so we did furlough some people where their activities were not pivotal to helping clients, but we kept on board everyone that was absolutely pivotal to the collection process and the online processes and the guidance work. So it affected us like it does you guys. It affected us financially, just the same, although there was little support for the financial services industry, which, which we're in apart from furlough. But happily, we're... Um, regulated by the FCA, the Financial Conduct Authority, and accredited by BACS. And within that, we have to keep certain reserves. So we were able to use our reserves to make sure that we could still continue the services and help clients. Uh, now, of course, the speed at which clients reacted in the first place has gone in the other direction. In May, it was stunning. We actually processed 12,000 new students in May, which was well exceeded what we'd anticipated. Um, and so again, our team, our marketing team and others have been trying to help people to focus in on acquiring new students and getting back those who were suspended. And at the time we were suspending students at its height, 
I believe we suspended around 11,000 agreements, which would be about 13, 14,000 students. And um, uh, as at today, there are 4,000 remaining who may or may not come back. But there are still a lot of schools who can't get their venues back yet. So they're still impacted. Uh, but despite that, the uh, business, from the point of view of your students, is returning very, very quickly indeed. You've still got some capacity problems, I get that. Um, here at Nest, we brought everyone off furlough, and we have a full team here. There's no furlough at all uh, here. Some people are working from home, but we are back at 100% strength because we know our clients need us at this time. And I remember, so there's going to be, I want to sort of, you know this story because obviously you were there at the, the journey as well, but there's going to be some listeners that think about judo and the, the business of it. And, you know, I remember the, the first instance of when lockdown was talked about. And I remember the, the fear and the dread because I started judo at five years old and I left home at 17 with very little education, a couple of GCSEs. I went full time into judo. I, I committed myself to the sport. And then once I'd finished competing full time, I then went into my coaching badges. So I went through my level one, my level two, level three. And then I, I went to university and I got my master's degree. And for me, judo was everything. Coaching was everything. And I remember thinking when, when everything started kicking off, I was thinking, what on earth am I going to do? What, how am I going to keep my judo club running? How are me and Sam, my wife, how are we going to keep this operational? Because it's judo. Judo is full contact. Judo is you get hold of somebody, you try and throw them around the room, you try and unlock them, you try and show them. So there's, there's a great um, physicality to it. And I remember just sat there and Sam was like, well, we've got to do it. And I think it was like the day or the day of the lockdown I remember you jumped on up on the screen with you and and you literally started doing your webinars and then you started reaching out to us and then we sat down and we had either we had a good four or five meetings we discussed it and you set up think tanks and you you introduced us to other martial arts and other companies that were that were teaching online and you just helped us through that situation whether it was you or your team and I honestly think if it wasn't for that um that assistance in those early few months we would have I would have gone off and you know got I don't know what I would have done to be honest I really don't know whether our judo club would have survived and we did lose members like everybody but we stayed operational just through that ability to connect <laughs> yeah and it sounds silly doesn't it yeah and, and that's it's fantastic to hear Vince because um what we wanted to do was to try and connect our clients together because the amount of support and the enthusiasm for trying to make something work that doesn't instinctively seem right. You know, online training in judo or, or in my style, karate, doesn't kind of feel right. But to some extent it was easier in karate and taekwondo than it was in judo because of the you know, line work is pretty normal in karate. Mm. Standing, kicking, punching, doing various techniques on the spot is, is pretty normal. But what surprised me throughout this whole bit, whatever style it was, but particularly with judo, was the level of imagination people put to it in order to give their students the best time possible. I know you were getting them stuffing onesies and goodness knows what to, um, uh, to, to, to make training partners or training dummies and so forth. And that was happening all over the country. The martial arts, if I can call it an industry, the martial arts profession actually came together. Do you know what? More sharing of ideas came through during the COVID period than I've ever seen before. Usually it was everybody said, these are my ideas, I want to keep them to myself. But during COVID, the industry coalesced and started to share, which was really exciting. And I hope our webinars, I know I did 
um, at the time during the main COVID period. I think I did 190 webinars personally. Um, the team did training webinars and a whole bunch of, of other stuff. And so I think we thought it was important for somebody to be saying, we will get through this. It will work. And we were determined that that would be the case for everyone's business, including our own, let's be fair. Because if, we, uh, if you guys don't do anything, we don't do anything either. So it was important for all of us. And the industry did come together and demonstrated a resilience which um, everyone should be proud of. I know in some organisations, um, people threw in the towel and said, we'll come back, you know, when it's all over. Um, I think that was a premature decision. It was taken very early on by some folks um, and they probably could have stuck it through. But, and we'll have one or two clients who did that, but not many at all. And as I say, 60% of their business maintained all the way through. And as soon as we started to open up on the 12th of April, as soon as that was possible, even though it was limited, we started to see the business coming back very rapidly indeed. And it, it's a pleasure and a privilege for us to be, to have been part of helping schools to keep going. Well, I remember, so, I mean, obviously for me, there was a, an issue on, am I gonna lose my house? What's gonna happen, all this sort of stuff. But I remember quite early on, um, when we, when we were talking, there were, there was a point where you turned around and said, like, don't forget that judo or martial arts isn't just about that contact time on the mat. It's not the actual uh, physical effort is very. It's not the biggest point. It's the fact that actually you're changing lives. You're actually facilitating that growth and that education of the person. And that that was a real shift in my head as well. Understand that. It wasn't about me necessarily. Obviously, I needed to earn a living, but also what impact is this going to have on our students after a year? How many of those are going to be better off for being online? You know, and I remember you saying that quite early on. Well, it's been a bit of a mantra here ever since we started. You know, what, what excited me about martial arts, having been uh, involved, you know, I was never going to be brilliant at it. Anyway, you know, I was 40 when I started for crying out loud and in a stressful job. But what I knew from my own experience was how martial arts changed my life and how I witnessed it changing the lives of much younger people in a really positive way. You know, their attitudes to life, which knocked onto their schooling, knocked onto everything they could do in life. And it helped people to be, in my opinion, it helped young people to be the best they can be. Uh, and so for us, we've always said, what you do out there is crucial. We're trying really hard to get the government to understand what you do is crucial because you do change the lives of young people, but it also applies to older people. As witnessed for myself, I was in a hugely stressful role in my job. And the only time that stress dissipated was the moment I put my gi on. And irrespective of the training, which I loved, but for me was more about kata than it was about fighting. I was too old to kick off a, a career in in fighting for heaven's sake. Um, but kata was wonderful to me. The language was wonderful. Um, what I was learning about both the history and the cultures of different uh, countries when you start to get interested in different styles was fascinating. And I believe our contribution that can be made to the lives of all people, but particularly children, is massive. And that had to continue. COVID or no COVID, it had to continue. And indeed it did. Um, yeah, you know, to 60% of the folks who, who, who we were with, which is still remarkable, absolutely yeah. remarkable. And what you can achieve today, you know, uh, as we come out of it will be equally marvelous. And people really coalesced around the idea of keeping it going, 
but also about the idea of being a shining example for the, all the issues. The moment there was a slight ease up, hands, face, space, protocols, all the things you had to do with risk analysis and everything else, you know, were there. And people, when we put out information about creating your um, risk analysis, as governing bodies did too, um, everybody was really pushing hard to make sure that we were shining examples of best practice. So I may be rambling a bit there, but... No, 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 it's good. But also as well, like, it's, it's difficult from judo because judo, I know... There's many people in judo, okay, that I speak to all the time where they're like, oh, we charge £2 a class. We want to make sure it's super cheap um, because we want everybody to attend our classes. So we only charge £2. We don't make any money. We don't make any profit. And that way we can open it up to the whole community. And then when you look at their club, they have 20 people in there, you know, and it's they're not getting what they hope to get what's your experience around that because you deal with clubs that charge 50 pounds a month or you know you ch that charge a lot more what do you find with that do you find that the the clubs that are cheaper have more people like what how's it work <laughs> there's we, we don't see that correlation between uh cost and volume um some of the largest organizations that we work with uh, will charge 30, 40 pounds or even more. Um, the average value of an agreement with uh, our clients is currently 44 pounds. Uh, but that might have, it, it includes, be careful with that number, because it also includes the agreements which have multiple students and families on them. Yeah. Uh, at a student, excuse me, at a student level, the average value is around 37 pounds. But the spread of that is between £20 and, um, you know, maybe £50 or more. So it's quite a spread uh, uh, within it. And some students have uh, packages, if you like, of training, which covers every single day. It covers their black belt club with special training and a whole bunch of other things. And they cost a little bit more. But I don't think looking at it as, you know, this is going to be the cheapest, will allow us access to all communities, is actually right. Um, however, we do have a project on at the moment uh, about looking at areas of deprivation and how can martial arts help in those areas of deprivation and what should the price be? And there have always been schools that have done bursaries for families that for whatever reason have fallen on hard times. Uh, and we applaud that, absolutely applaud it and support it through our systems. Um, but price is not the answer to getting to more and more people. If you did it at 50p a time, it doesn't mean that suddenly you'd have a thousand students. It doesn't seem to work like that at all. Um, but worst still, if your values are too low by anybody's standards, it doesn't allow you to invest back in your students in the way you might really like to do. And those profitable businesses that do, I assure you, like yours, people invest back in the tuition, back into the buildings that they operate with, back into the services that the students get. So it's not a bad thing to be making a profit. And sometimes you hear people th say that it is in some way. We have clients who are uh, CASCs or charities or you know, CICs or, or whatever. How you structure it does not mean that it has to be the lowest possible price because what you do is of huge value. And it is the value that those customers and students place on what you do. Now you change people's lives. That is difficult to put a price on. And also as well, like I always find with, with this sort of stuff, 
it shows commitment as well to what you're providing you know so we as a club we don't actually offer any pay as you go um that it's just not an option it is you commit to your direct debit um and you you pay your fee and what i found is that actually people are more committed because they paid their money they want their kids to go they want their kids to get the benefit from it and say for example you are paying two pound a night three pound a night if it's a bit hot or if it's raining a bit too much or if it's a bit cold or it's a bit dark there's very quickly an excuse why not to bother to go because you've not committed your money you've not committed your time you can go oh we'll leave it tonight and actually our attendance rate is actually pretty good because people have committed their time and there's that saying isn't it when you pay money you pay attention so when you when you're not um paying it anything for it you it's really difficult to value what what the service is and i think in judo that what a for a level two coaching course it's a bit to run your own club you've got to spend 500 pounds and commit uh two weekends and, a, and an assessment day to be able to do it if you're charging three pounds a person for a class how long is that going to take you to get your investment back yeah 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 and it is an investment it is it is an investment in your students Mm. And um, we, we think continuous education is really important. And uh, we see that with our clients, whether it's matters on the mat or matters in business. And people invest. And that investment is in your students. Mm. At some point, somebody has to pay for that. Yeah. Students are happy to do so. If they weren't, and why, why are some businesses that are huge charging 40 pounds a month per student and those that are two pounds a month why is there such a differential in the volumes they're able to cater for now you may well have people who do it because they're passionate about a hobby and passionate about staying into judo or karate or any other Think, don't want to make money out of it because they make money from uh, a day job, perhaps. But even so, it would be wonderful to see those statistics. And I suspect they're no different in terms of attrition. Uh, they may even be worse because once the uh, students have some skin in the game, it does encourage them on those nights where you go, oh, no, I don't want to go along. And, and mum says, well, I'm paying for this, you better be, be there. That is actually good for them. It creates that habit of training. And the big challenge we see all the time is in our view, it takes about 12 weeks to get, to start to build the habit. And we do see dropouts within those 12 weeks, but once they get over that, they stick with it. And the direct debit, I would say, wouldn't I, is an assistance in that. Uh, and for those out there, feel free to criticise me on that. But I do believe it gives them skin in the game, uh, mm. which is an added factor to get them to stay where they, when the going gets tough. And we, we all know there are times in training. I, I did my gym night. And I have a few nights a week where I do the gym, even at my age. And um, I do occasionally refer to it as the torture chamber, but I, I know it's important. It's important for me. Um, it's important for my health and, and so on. And so I stay with it. And parents, it's up to us to make sure parents understand the underlying benefits. And it's not just a price issue. This is about benefits. Mm. And there will be, you know, there will just be some coaches that have done it for 50 years or, you know, they've done it for a long time and they're thinking to themselves, well, you know, that's just not for me. But my argument is like in that time, it might not be, you might have a nice job, you might be secure. But when I think about from me growing up and stuff, there are going to be people that love judo in your club there's going to be young players there's going to be students 15 16 17 thinking to themselves what am I going to do for the rest of my life what would it and how would it change if they love judo if they love the sport and you're in a position where you could go well you know what you could earn a living from judo 
you know, you're not going to be a millionaire, but you could earn a really reasonable living. You could earn anywhere between 30 and 50,000 pounds a year. That's what you could take home as a living. And the way you're going to do that is we're going to set up the club to operate and be able to, you can, you can develop your skills, you can go through your coaching badges, you can bring on new groups. And we're now going to put 100 kids on the map, now 200 kids on the map. And we're going to help these players that possibly would have been lost. They would have gone off and done something that, you know, they weren't that passionate about. But you're creating an environment where you, it might not be for you as the coach right now, but it could be for your students in five years time it could be um you're almost just laying that foundation for them absolutely you know the, the, the issue for me is if you change the life of one child it's all worthwhile mm. if you can change the lives of hundreds of child children in your community then my god what a what an aspiration to have and so having mm. more people having a more successful operation and changing more people's lives has to be a goal we should all aspire to in martial arts. Mm. And I know I can hear it now. There's going to be some coaches that go, well, we only charge £2. There's no way I could now ask parents to pay a monthly direct debit because they, they're accustomed to that. But being somebody who's gone through that process, because we, we actually took over an existing judo club that was fairly small inside you know but they, they're already existed and they were used to doing things a certain way and we completely changed it we completely you know we we break it up changed it around and and introduced all, all of the systems direct debits you know what we didn't lose it it was minimal it wouldn't even one maybe two people you know and then once you had done that anybody else that joins they're they're accustomed this is just the way things are done aren't they yeah, absolutely. And this is absolutely, this is not about ripping off your customers. It, oh, is, no. about, it is about value for money and helping people to understand these benefits. And those people who are charging a couple of quid, and if they've got 50 students uh, paying a couple of quid, they're probably going to struggle in some ways to pay all their expenses alone anything else and probably invest in it personally in order to keep the club going there's no necessity to do that you know those and we've worked with loads of people who've been in that position and we'd love to work with loads more in judo where we can work slowly with them to, to start building that price without suddenly jumping to something that would seem completely unreasonable to the, the operator it's got to be something that the operator buys into, but they're buying into investing into the business. And in some cases, investing in a second career. Mm. In many people who do that, I can suddenly, I can make my living out of something that I love, but I've got to change the dynamics of it. And it is possible. We've helped many people to do that. Yeah, and I, I remember... I, I was obviously watching a lot and um, just recently actually I watched a webinar um, on the so a guy called Matt Fidesz he's most probably one of the largest franchise owners in the world isn't he and he was talking about actually in the pandemic he because he had built this franchise with these people he was investing his own money to to help the franchises he actually invested back into it i think i obviously he's talking on, on a webinar so you don't know how true the figures is but he reckons he invested two hundred and fifty thousand pounds into into helping everybody keep keep in the game keep doing their martial arts absolutely and uh, we know a number of franchise uh, organizations that are clients of ours and i know that matt along with many others invested heavily to help their franchisees and support those franchisees um, so that they could come out of this as strong as possible. And um, it, it's hard for us to comment about other organisations but we, because we only see things through the prism of NEST. Mm. But maintain 60% of the business. When I talk to colleagues in, in the finance world, they think that's remarkable, um, uh, what people have achieved 
in, in martial arts. And I hope that has extended to others. Um, but I do hear uh, some pretty awful stories uh, occasionally that COVID has devastated some martial arts schools. Um, and we would love now to be in a position to try and help those schools to not only recover, but thrive in the future and change more lives. Mm. Well, this is actually something you guys do is just part of the service, isn't it? Because there's going to be loads of judo clubs out there that are thinking, right, um, I've got a venue back open. We maybe lost some members. We'd love some new members, but we have no idea how how do we get people through the door and it's not just leafleting is it you've got services that help people understand and learn about marketing that, that's right and um, we've got both the processes to help with that the online booking the websites if people may come along and say well look i charge this i can't afford a new website it's going to cost me a fortune or i've had a student build my website for me now they've disappeared and I can't get into the back end of it. I, they're taking the codes with them and everything else. We see all those problems here. And in many cases, we do see that the free website is the most expensive of all. Um, not in all cases, but we see it quite a bit. Um, our clients, they do get a free one. But is it free? No, because we charge for our services. Um, we charge on what we collect and what we successfully collect. But included in our services is our website team who will help you to get up and running a new website, who will, Nest will host it for our clients. We will add into it booking online. Um, if you've got your own website, we'll add into that a widget to your own website so that you can do booking in online again uh, through your own website. None of that costs extra from us. It's all part of what we do. Now, that's a start to getting your visibility. But then, as many of us know, acquiring new students, social media has become really important. So we have people who will both give ideas and guidance on how to do that. And we have tools, um, which some of them are automated. Uh, many of them are, can be automated by yourselves or by us these days. So you've got those communications, book your lesson, and it gets confirmed. It get, you get a reminder 24 hours by text message before the student comes to remind them to come. And the whole process has levels of automation in leading up to an electronic direct debit. And so we try and take all that pain out of it uh, but at the same time, help you to get more students through marketing. And we have a marketing department who are charged with trying to give you ideas, give you material. And the more judo customers we work with, the more we'll be able to invest in material that is best for you. Because you, you perhaps don't want somebody doing a, a, a kick or a punch uh, in a taekwondo dobok. Uh, on your advertising material. You want it to be judo and you want it to say mm. me. Um, and we started to invest in that uh, in all styles so that we can give you the right stuff that will help you. And the more we can work with you guys, the more we can do that. Mm. And actually, even the simple stuff like that booking widget makes a real difference. And this is obviously, I've been using the system for a little while now, but the fact that when... It gets really tricky, especially if it's a judo coach that works another job and somebody sees your website and they see a, a call me now and they, they try and call you, you can't answer it, they leave a voicemail and it can take days to get back and forth. And by the time you actually get to speak to them, they might have found something else. The fact that you can just click on a button, say book a trial, uh, obviously the coaches and clubs can put in exactly what they want. Book a trial, they input their details details it goes onto the system you get an alert that somebody's booked a trial it comes up onto your register that you you've already got it's already there that actually saves and once you start thinking about scalability once you start thinking instead of 10 students you're starting to think about 100 students or 500 students that's a lot of time saved absolutely absolutely yeah and i think it's it's about having that space to grow isn't it Mm. And, um, it, you know, some of the tasks can be really onerous 
Um, things like, uh, I don't know how many people will do it, but typically, even when I was training, um, you know, all those years ago, you know, missed you in class was a big deal. There was mm. cards, you know, have people come in and then you get the cards on one side, you know, to figure out who didn't come. Do I give them a telephone call to check if they're okay? Um, do I see if there are any issues that they're worried about? Are they ill? What's happened? They haven't come today. Well, much of that, um, you know, can be automated today, you know, with misdoing fast text messages and so on. Um, it doesn't do away with the personal aspects, which is still great, but mm. it is another, when you've got huge volume, you've got to find ways to tackle that volume and still do the tasks that are important. Um, and that is just one of many. Yeah, and actually one of the things that um, was a great release during um, the lockdown that's helped us out and it's actually going to have long-term benefits is the the members website. So with the addition to obviously the, the, the normal website that everybody can see, you guys created us a members website. And what we use that for is because we wanted to do gradings, we filmed all of the gradings and then we uploaded it to the members website. Yeah. So everybody could then log on and they could find their grade and they could find their syllabus and then start practicing it and now we're back in the dojo it's only because of limitations on who can be in the room it's only me being able to take classes so i'm not going to be able to get around everybody to make sure that everybody's on the right thing at the right time so having that recorded goes up on the big screen you know silly stuff like that makes a real big difference in the service that you can provide i think that you'll see that extend quite a lot um i mean originally that was created for gdpr reasons so that you know we could uh, contact people and keep their data up to date but the, that member site will continue to increase and we have some great ideas to keep uh, moving that forward but in particular when you think if you've got somebody who is at a particular grade level you can define the material they ought to be able to see um the people preparing for grading, for example, can see the right material at the right time if they want to do work outside the normal classes. Um, sure, we built that for co with COVID in mind so we could control the, um, the, the whole video environment uh, and you could have some level of control over the whole thing. But it will have lots of applications in the future, even to the extent where people go on extended holidays and can still keep up with some of their training while they're away and keep in touch with both the, um, the, the syllabus they're operating on, but more importantly, just keep in touch and not drop judo for four or five weeks or whatever when they're on an extended holiday. Um, so there are many things that that will continue to develop uh, for. Some schools have continued with online training uh, for people outside their area particularly when students go to university um, so that they can keep up, they can remain members of the club when they're away at university and can come back to the club when they're on holiday. Mm. They've still been had the opportunity to keep up with uh, what's going on and what their own uh, uh, training goals uh, are. So uh, I think we'll see a lot more in the members' website. Yeah, and I think... I, the, the biggest message that I would like to get across and from working with you guys, I think it doesn't matter whether you want to have a thousand students, 10 to 100. It's about creating a better level of service for your students, for your members. And you're just able to free up your own time to concentrate on things that are more important. So for me, I want to be thinking about the judo that I'm teaching, the classes, how they're operating, um, what's the next competition, what's the next uh, step, how do we move the groups on? Yeah. I don't want to be thinking about who's called me, what what do I need to do to get them booked in, how many people are coming on, you know, and these systems help you provide a better service yeah. to your members, doesn't it? Absolutely, and I mean, we take lots of phone calls from students, uh, generally about uh, the payment process or uh, you know, people who are moving bank accounts and things like that. Uh, some of that is automated, but some is not. 
Um, and our call centre takes those off you altogether. Uh, and we handle those calls. Um, and, you know, I can, what we generally say is it gives you the tools and the space to grow your organisation and to grow the number of members. And that's most people's ambition. But even those who want to stay at a particular level, we can still save tons of time for those who have 50 or 60 students. It's a hobby for them. Um, it will still give you time saving, which you can focus back on your students. It isn't all about the clubs that have a thousand students or 500 students. Mm. You know, we can still create benefits so that you can focus your time and effort on what's really, really important. And the, the fact that we can also network um, our clients with other martial artists of different disciplines, there's always, always, always something to learn. Mm. Well, even something super simple, like being able to contact a specific class. So say you've got 10 registers, 10 different groups of classes going on in a week. Mm. And for some reason, your hall hire has decided uh, you can't use the hall or you've got to go somewhere else. How long does it take somebody normally to go and find all the numbers of that person? You can access your class, you can send group messages, yeah. you can send, and that's all in the system, isn't it? And silly stuff like that, which people think, it might not be, it actually saves me so much time. Yeah, yeah, it, indeed. I mean, the text messaging, um, we have two types, the text messaging and text messaging plus. Uh, mm. The text messaging itself is restricted, of course, to uh, around 140 characters. But to send a quick message out, fantastic. You can do it straight away. You can segregate the students into whichever categories you might have them by location, club, grade, anything else. Um, and you can do it immediately with text messaging plus if you've got a long message to send, the text messaging easily directs them to, uh, to, to an area so they can see more information. And, um, you know, this is hugely helpful, especially in emergency situations. Um, you know, if a club has to, if it can't be on one night because we've all forgotten there's an election on or something, um, you know, getting the message out to them very quickly uh, is really helpful, has been really helpful indeed. And during COVID, um, we sent out thousands and thousands of uh, text messages. Um, you know, I forget the number now, but it's, it, it's now around seven figures, I think, uh, in text messages that went out uh, during COVID. So probably passed a million ages ago. But, um, yeah, I mean, now, so the whole, since COVID kicked off, since I, I've done quite a lot of webinars to try and help judo clubs, we've done quite a lot of online stuff. And even this podcast, like with the different guests, the whole idea is to, I want judo to be in a better state than it. I want judo to grow. I want it to flourish. And I sincerely think that you guys, I'm sure there are other, other um, management systems, I don't work with them. I don't know them, so I'm not going to promote them. Uh, I think you guys could really, really help. And I know um, you agreed that anybody listening, they would be able to, to get a special deal, wouldn't they? Yeah, um, we, we've, um, we have a, a, a buying arrangement with, uh, with judo. So any judo practitioners, not, normally we would charge 8% of whatever we successfully collect. And then we don't charge for anything else whether it's the websites or anything else there. But for judo, that's reduced to 6%, uh, irrespective of the size of the club. Um, whereas the move from eight to six is a size-related um, issue. So everybody would get six. Also, for um, folks that are, that are now on this, this event here, we, we can certainly do this with no starter fee at all. Usually there's a £200 starter fee, which covers off the costs of setting everything up, providing you with everything you need, and um, a, a five-week programme where we do training and various other things. Um, but if, we, if people want to contact us and sign up before the end of July, um, we'll, we'll do away with the £200 altogether. So no starter fee, saving of £200, uh, plus 
you will get the 6% uh, judo rate. Yeah, but they will have to mention judo talk, won't they? They will have to mention the podcast. Um, so the guys on your phone lines, they won't actually just know that's a, a deal, will they? No. Unless it's with... Just mention yourself and the fact that it's been the... You um, uh, saw this on the podcast and there'll be no further questions asked. There'll be no charges uh, around the starter fee. And we'll just send you out an electronic contract. It's re- relatively straightforward doesn't tie you up to time um, or or anything like that. It's not going to say, you know, you've got to do this or that for so many years. You know, if you didn't like us, just tell us. Well, that's actually like, uh, so So we weren't with you guys initially, we were with a different payment processor and they had tied us into like two years. They had tied us into a a, a long contract and, that was one of the things actually why we we like this now i know there's going to be judo coaches that think uh do we i cannot say enough how much time this has saved me and the fact that you're not going to have to pay 200 pounds to join so there's no cost to to starting it up and then there's no there's never really a any real cost to it and for everything that you get so whether it's the website the the members website the payment processes the all the communication tools the marketing training like there's just so much that goes in for it and if you think that's only going to cost you 6p on a pound like for for what you actually get is 6p on a pound isn't it yeah yeah which 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 is nothing for for the amount of time and everything that they're going to get for it so um yeah, no, I, I I really appreciate that offer for, for everybody uh, who's listening. Is there anything you would like to finish on, uh, Gerard? No, I think I think we've covered quite a lot of stuff there. Um, there is tons of material that we do, and the, the danger is that we can easily overwhelm somebody who's not been um, involved. Mm. But we are very careful to try not to do that and to work at the same speed as the new clients that that come on board. Um, But our ambition is the same as yours. It's to impact more lives, to impact Mm. more children in particular, to make sure that they can have the benefit that we've all enjoyed. Uh, And I'm sure that everybody that's listening today has enjoyed huge benefits from being part of Judah. And we'll continue to do so. And we really share your ambition for pushing that out to as many people as possible. This ain't all about, this is not a big business thing. It is about making sure that communities get the benefits of martial arts. And in your case, in judo in particular. Mm. Yeah, and what I'll do um, on this podcast, and I'll email it out to everybody who's on my email list as well, is I'll put the website to Ness, but also the contact details for you guys. And if you're not sure, all I can say is just give you guys a call. Talk it like there's no, if they make a phone call, there's no, like they're not going to be hounded into anything, are they? They're just, no. they can have a chat. No, this is not our, our business. We set it up originally based on the fact of our interpretation of martial arts values, which is trust, respect, and integrity. And there's no hard sell here. Um, We've had uh, prospects, uh, some prospects, it's been a long burn. You know, we perhaps talked to them for a couple of years off and on, um, you know, before they've actually uh, jumped in. And there's no hard sell here. Um, what we want you to do is to be successful and we want to try and contribute to that success in whatever way we can. And is there any limitation to where they are in the world? So obviously there's quite quite a lot of listeners all over the world on this. Are there, because obviously we've got clients in Ireland and Australia. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, we operate in both of those. So in the Republic of Ireland, we collect using SEPA, which is the European um, uh, area methodology or the equivalent of BACS if you want to put it that way um, so separate in uh, Southern Ireland same deal um, and in Australia a little bit different we work with a third party 
um, on the collection side because um, financial services are highly regulated and um, it, you know we have not yet gone through the process of regulation in, uh, in Australia. So we work with a partner there at the moment and um, that, that may change in the future, but at the moment we have a partner there, but all the other services exactly the same. Support is a little bit more tricky because of timescales, um, you know, timeframes, um, but we have managed that. We work with about 50 schools in Australia, all on the old Sunshine Coast, I think it is. And um, in Ireland, they're increasing all the time. We already do a lot of business in uh, Northern Ireland, um, which is exactly the same uh, processes as all across the UK. Um, Southern Ireland, a little bit different. Um, and also different with some of the card collections. We haven't talked about them, but we also do things like grading events and so forth, which can be paid for by card. Uh, yes, that's something that actually we use you guys with when we um, talk in a lot of schools, you know, one-off payments as well. Um, and plus the pro shop, we didn't even talk about the fact that people can sell all their merch. So, and that's the thing, guys. Like, I, I honestly mean this. Like, it is it's worth having a conversation. If that's all you do, pick up the phone, have a conversation with the team and just see how they can help. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, our customer service people will be there. Um, Hendry is the customer service manager and um, the guys down there will be very pleased to talk you through anything. Um, if you want to talk to me, just ask them to transfer you to me. I'll be very happy. To, to talk to anyone in judo and feel free to uh, to, to do that and um, if I'm not around they'll give you my mobile number or whatever so you can get in touch with me. Brilliant Joe I thank you for spending the time speaking to me today I really appreciate it. It's a pleasure thanks for the opportunity it's really good to be able to talk to a, a judo group and uh, I think we're looking forward, it's still a few tricky times to come with COVID, but um, I think we're looking forward to a very bright future. And um, yeah, it's an exciting time. I think it could be a very exciting time for judo too. Brilliant. Thanks, Gerard. Thanks so much, Vince. Pleasure to be with you. And that's the end of a, a very different podcast for this podcast. Um, but I said, I've always said to you guys that I want to mix it up which I think hopefully I'm doing anyway. Um, but I really want to make an impact to, to the judo community as well. And I want to help. And I hope this doesn't come across as just a sales pitch or anything like that, because it's not. If I didn't believe that this company couldn't help or doesn't help me on a daily basis, I wouldn't ask them onto the podcast. And there's obviously things that from a personal point of view, the way I run my judo club that I would prefer them to do slightly different or to, but they're always willing to have conversations about that as well. And I've sp spoken to a few judo clubs and I've always recommended them. And I thought it was a really good opportunity to get them on and talk to you, especially now, now when we're thinking about uh, expanding, getting back on the mats. You know, like one conversation I didn't uh, mention with Gerard, I know there's a few of you that are struggling to get into school halls. This is something that we were talking back in April about easing of lockdowns and stuff, about how are you gonna get into to schools? And thankfully, we were in a position where we could actually look at a full-time venue. We were fortunate enough to be able to, to do that. But that's what it enabled us to do, you know, that we would not have been in a position where we could continue growing. And I don't think there's, so we have conversations in judo, why are Japan so good at judo? Why are these countries? You cannot overlook the obvious of purely numbers. And whether you wanna say it's coaching, whether you wanna say it's their judo, the fact that they've got more people doing the sport gives them a better chance. You know, they've got, so many people, Japan, France, like there's just the volume of people doing judo is huge. If we could help more people do judo, and I think I gave the example in the in the podcast about 
it might not be for you. It might be for a player in your club that would really benefit from being a judo coach for the rest of their life. It might be to give them the ability to travel. You could you can do what you want with it, but yeah, I think I think it's a, a really interesting time, and this podcast I really hope will will, will give you the motivation to at least have that conversation. Um, and they'll talk you through it. They will. They are just a good bunch of people. Gerard's a good guy and they really really did help us and think about what is your next step how are you going to get more people on the map how are you managing your registers how is it a pen and paper is it a whatsapp group how can you you make those things easier for yourselves and if you are working all the time why wouldn't you want a system that works on automation that 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 actually get frees up a bit of your time for a small chunk and as he said you guys if you mention the Judo Talk podcast uh, and me and on the phone lines, you won't have to pay the £200 sign-in fee where they teach you how to use all the systems, they, they walk you through everything. That's a massive saving. You think it's 6p for every single pound that they bring in. So it's not actually going to come out of your pocket. It's not You're not going to have to pay anything. It's literally you set up the direct debits and they collect money and they'll take their 6p for every pound which yeah i think it's a great deal um so yeah so i'm gonna leave that there i'm not gonna go on about questions and things i i think um it will sort of detract from what the podcast was i will get back to questions on next week's podcast but if you're interested in speaking to them their website is nestmanagement.co.uk i'll put all of this in the description of the podcast as well uh, you can email them on inquiries at nestmanagement.co.uk or if you want to call them their number is 0115945030 okay all of that can be found on their website don't forget to mention the podcast mention judo and they'll be happy to talk it through and there's no obligation as i said with one of the payment companies that we we initially signed up with it was like a two-year contract uh i can't remember how long it's 30 days or three but it's not long okay so even if you use it and decide it's not for you there, there's no real long-term downside on that either so yeah so i hope it helps uh as always, contact me, Vince at vincegilcorn.co.uk or on social media. You guys know the drill now. And yeah, enjoy your weekend. Obviously, it's Friday when I'm releasing this. They'll answer your phones all day. Uh, if you're at the weekend, you might need to wait till Monday to get through to somebody. But yeah, no, good luck with it. Let me know any positive stories, even if it's around. Uh, yeah, let me know your positive stories. Let me know your questions. And I'll get back to answering those uh, next week. So thanks, guys. Have a great one. Judo talk, talk, 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 judo talk.